This episode of The Chaser Report is brought to you by Hand Me Down Furniture. What is that stain? Where did it come from? And just how much do you insist it's not piss? Striving for mediocrity in a world of excellence, this is The Chaser Report. Hello and welcome to The Chaser Report for Wednesday the 3rd of November 2021. Charles Firth, Gabby Bolt and Dom Knight here on a day when history was made in Glasgow at the Climate Conference. Charles and Gabby. Woo! A what happened? Thing. What happened Yay, now? What, what happened? All the world leaders in attendance decided that they didn't like Scott Morrison. <laughs> every single one of them. It was a unanimous oh, consensus of the sort that we've never seen in the area of climate or of hating an Australian Prime Minister. Yes. Vindication. It's vindication for the Australian way, isn't it? The Australian, the Australian way, way is way. To, to be a dick and be yeah. disliked. On What is the, I mean, diplomatically, releasing private text messages between you and another head of state, is that considered good form? Like, because it didn't, I mean... Because diplomacy goes back to Genghis Khan, right? doesn't it? <laughs> well, and Genghis didn't have access to SMS records. And the whole thing about Genghis was that he treated, you know, envoys from other tribes and other peoples with great respect. But if they in any way broke his diplomatic protocols that he'd set up for mm. sort of dealing with mm. things, he would just murder them. He would just murder the diplomats. Oh. And, it, and it meant that everyone very quickly gained a lot of respect for the, the rules of diplomacy, right? So, And I'm just wondering, like, would Genghis Khan in this circumstance, you know, like if, say, Morrison had leaked Genghis Khan's text messages, would, wouldn't Genghis Khan have just murdered Scott Morrison? <laughs> well, I think if France was a was in any way a, a global power like they think they are, they'd be in big trouble. But, uh, like, clearly what happened here is that the UK, mm. the U- US and Australia just went, oh, fuck France. But the thing is, like, Macron is, you know, swanning around like he's all stylish and French and good-looking mm. and a bit Craig-like and everything. But, <laughs> you know, I think I think so he I should... analyse this. I think he should check himself. I think he should just watch himself because you remember oh. that Australia will be a nuclear power in about 40 years' time when we get those subs. Well, Macron put it quite well. He was like, we swapped an actual order that was actually building some submarines for you Mm. for Mm. a review into a potential of good luck. (laughs) I did like the suggestion that essentially two months ago, Morrison realised that both Biden and Boris Johnson were going to just shit on him Mm. at this climate conference. (laughs) And he went, how do I get out of this? And he, and he paid the price, which was breaking relations with France and paying $90 billion for a um, set of submarines that don't even exist. And amazingly, the world leaders in Glasgow managed to see through <laughs> his pitch, which was technology will fix it and that's the Australian way because when in the past has technology ever saved anything from being shit in Australia? Even our NBN. What about an Australian way to having a functional broadband yeah. network? No, they well, fucked that up. But you know that Malcolm Turnbull has gone over to COP26. Yeah. And, and I think that he's trying to sell everyone on the idea of, you know, getting rid of their fibre optic network <laughs> yeah. installing yeah, some copper. copper. Yeah, that's He's right. also there to try and invest in green hyd- hydrogen. But the real reason is there mm. is to watch Scott Morrison being humiliated on the world stage. And Yeah, that's you, you would want front seat tickets, especially if you were Malcolm Turnbull. Yeah, and uh, Malcolm, we're looking forward to having you on the podcast to tell us exactly what it was like <laughs> watching Morrison f- flounder. 
I just love that Scott Morrison got up there and he was like, oh, scientists will have to solve this problem, not politicians. And the funniest thing about that is that scientists have solved the problem. (laughs) It's just you're just not listening to them. We don't want to listen to the climate scientists. We want to listen to the people who have hypothetical technology that doesn't exist yet. (laughs) For like 20 years, scientists have been like, hey... Hey, it's 1999, letting you know, just found out, uh, the earth is heating up. I don't know what you might want to do about that, but you guys are the ones with the money. And everybody in politics went, ah, it'll be right. And we've just done that for 30 years. But on the bright side, yesterday in Glasgow, an amazing thing happened. The leaders that represented land just owned over 85% of the world's forests. They've committed to reversing deforestation by 2030. And I think they did that just because Scott Morrison didn't want them to. <laughs> so, so Scott Morrison's saving the planet. So this is great. Yeah, if we, if we can just really, like, if he could state, oh, we don't want net zero by 2030, then suddenly the whole world will get on board. If not out of dire need, then yeah. out of spite. <laughs> on today's show, Sammy Shah is going to talk us through yesterday's Melbourne Cup oh, Festival of Horse Death. What a great Melbourne Cup it was too, wasn't it? It's not as though we're recording this before it's happened. We definitely know the result, which was... Insert later in record. <laughs> also, uh, Xander, one of the interns, is well. He's bought tickets to the Sydney Film Festival or something. He's oh, going that's to, nice. He's going to like thirty odd movies, so I'm not quite sure yeah. how his employment's going to go for the next two weeks. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> it's all coming up right after we head to Rebecca Dana Muno in the Chaser Newsroom in just a moment. Hunters across Australia are in shock after a surprising turn of events at the Melbourne Cup. The bookie's favourite, Master of Wine, was the last to get euthanised, which means anyone who bet on Explosive Jack to die first received a 43 to 1 payout. In response to being called a liar by Emmanuel Macron, Scott Morrison has decided to prove his trustworthiness by leaking private text messages to the media. The PM hoped the text messages that vaguely show how Macron was worried that Morrison might back out of the agreement just before he backed out of the agreement would prove his point that he isn't a liar. Elon Musk has announced a challenge to the UN. The tech billionaire will offer $8 billion to the UN on the grounds that they can provide a costed, transparent plan on exactly how the money would solve world hunger. If the UN fails to provide an adequate plan, the Tesla CEO will continue selling luxury autonomous vehicles to end world hunger. That's the latest headlines from the Chaser Newsroom. I'm Rebecca Dayunamuno. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This episode of The Chaser Report is brought to you by Hand Me Down Furniture. Because, yeah, that cheap bedside table that you've chaotically painted millennial pink and put resin on totally looks expensive. Good job on the upcycling. Well, we recorded this conversation yesterday, moments after the race that stopped the nation, stopped the nation, the Melbourne Cup, and Sammy Shah is on the line from Melbourne 
Tell us all about the big race. Hello, Sammy. Oh, it's been so exciting, Dom. You cannot believe so. Uh, Liberal MP Tim Smith is uh, a finalist. Uh, he would have been the winner, of course, but as you know, he uh, hurt himself along the way. He got drunk and fell off the track, and so Matthew Guy had to shoot him in the back of the head. Um, and now it looks like uh, the winning horse is Scott Morrison's text. That's the one that's come out <laughs> in front of everyone else. Else. It's really been a close neck and neck kind of race, just remarkable. And and and, and as always at every Melbourne Cup, amazing, beautiful sights. You know, mm. like the very rich uh, assholes getting drunk in stupid dresses, mm. the very rich mm. assholes getting drunk and throwing up in bins while wearing hats with dumb shit on them, and yeah. the very rich assholes who work for you know Channel Ten and and Channel Nine and and all the other TV show channels um, who have done nothing in their lives except be reality TV contestants, all kind of schmoozing. Um, hopefully, it will end the way all Melbourne Cups have, where everyone who ever attended will then be put down like the dumb fucks <laughs> that they are. I'm very excited for this. I, of course, as you know, as a fan of horse sausages, look forward to the Melbourne Cup oh, every yeah. year. So, who who was your money on, Sammy? Uh, my money was on myself, actually. I always, I say, never bet against the, uh, yourself. And I, I took part. <laughs> I raced lo- along with all the other horses. I put a small man on my back and he whipped my bottom. Um, uh, we did it in the privacy of my own home, the way I like to fulfill all all my fetishes, but still, I feel yeah. like I came out ahead. Rain, rains or no um, rains? Wait, uh, are you talking about the weather or are we talking about like the rains around my mouth with the, the mouth. thing? Yeah, oh, yeah. right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, are you BDSMing or without, <laughs> without rains? Why? What is even the point of this yeah, entire exercise? Should, Absolutely. Uh, it shouldn't kink shame. Get well, me. we watched the race in the office in the now traditional 2021 way of watching the Melbourne Cup, which is that we mm-hmm. only figured out where it was streaming nowadays and how to connect to it after it finished. Yes, we were literally <laughs> looking for it. Yeah. I was trying to down, re-download the Channel 7 Sport app. And then realised that it had gone to Channel 9. Oh, really? It used to be on Channel 7, uh, now it's on 9. And, and then Dom went, oh, it's over. Yeah, <laughs> I found the page and it had the incredibly badly spelled horse that had won. But I don't know, I'm not as into it these days since it became um, basically yeah. an annual horse murdering contest. Have we become too woke, Sammy? Um, I mean, look, here's the thing, uh, it, it, you know, I've, I will speak for as someone who, and this might not be known about me, uh, acted in probably the only movie I've made about horse racing is since <laughs> the movie Black Beauty came out. Um, uh, Ride Like a Girl, if you have seen that that uh, film, um, which is about Michelle Payne, a woman who wanted to also ride horses, because oh, yes. why shouldn't all genders and sexes be allowed to ride a, an, a poor beast to its death? Um, <laughs> you know, uh, I was I was actually I played her surgeon in that. So some might assume that I am pro horse racing, um, but actually I'm just pro uh, people falling down and getting hurt. And and I keep mm-hmm. hoping one of the jockeys will be crushed under the weight of the horse, but that is yet to happen. So look, here's what I figure. I figure horse racing, the Melbourne Cup, this should have the exact same rules as Squid Game. The same way I think the Bachelorette should have the same rules as Squid Game is if you lose, you get shot in front of everyone else. And until that happens, I will keep promoting this, hoping that it'll finally change you know, the rules will change to fulfill my dreams which is just seeing people shot to death on live television i feel like that's really just where society needs to go at this point i think some of you were there for one of my first ever comedy songs on on dan illich's podcast irrational fear where my theory which i still hold a year later that we should just race the drunk spectators 
I don't understand why we're racing horses at all. Stick all the drunk people in the in the pens and then tell them where to go. That'd be hilarious. Stick around at the, at the Melbourne Cup long enough. Um, and because I was I briefly working for the ABC uh, until they corrected that mistake, I had to cover the Melbourne Cup for the ABC <laughs> a few times. Um, you stick around when at closing time, you know, when when mm. everyone has to go home, and yeah. you actually see that they, they rush towards the car park and the trains and the, and the Ubers, but Incredible. it's still very much just people in high heels and three piece suits covered in their own vomit just racing against the wind it's a beautiful and, sight and it, that, that's where the real betting should happen that's what i want to say it mm-hmm. would take away the tragedy from you know when they bring out the green curtain mm. everyone would cheer <laughs> oh absolutely as you were saying before sammy we need a rule where if the horse goes down so does the jockey yes. yeah i the, the fact that that has not happened i mean look if you um you know i'm sure that happened in saudi arabia or iraq you remember if you remember when saddam hussein's sons were in charge of first sports in yes. Iran, oh. they, they they basically killed the entire Iraqi football team because they didn't win an Olympics. I feel like that's the rule we should have for all sports. And if you're not going to do that, then stop playing them. You know, you go mm. all in or, or stop chickening around. But on the drunken uh, steeplechase thing, I'm just thinking that every McDonald's drive-thru around the country mm-hmm. now has a sign in the window that says, you may not come through this drive-thru unless you're in a vehicle. <laughs> and I like to think you could have the Melbourne Cup like at a series of drive-thrus. With pedestrians just going through, oh, going around, going, stumbling wonderful. around, getting given burgers as they went through. And most of them would fall over and die, but it'd be very entertaining. Absolutely. Now that's a good idea. I also want to point out that the greatest joy of this episode so far has been watching the sheer shock and horror on Gabby's face every time I say something new, because <laughs> now I'm just doing this to get a reaction out of her. <laughs> and yes, <laughs> clearly killing human beings is where Gabby draws the line. And I'm no, pushing not that at as all. far as I can no. go. Oh, not at all. No, I'm fine with killing people. I just think whole teams are a bit of a stretch because there's always one good person on a whole team. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, there's always innocent bystanders in every yeah. in every mass casualty event. Oh, and the, true. You know, yeah. True. No, but if you did, if you made it individual, I feel like you would get the best out of a team. You know, like David Warner needs to sharpen his focus in his batting. Mm. If he knew that the whole team was going to die. Yeah. Then I don't know whether he'd care. But, <laughs> okay, look. But if, it, look. if it's just about him dying, mm. then I, I I feel like he might get back into form quicker. Charles, the Romans had a thing called decimation, right? Mm. Where to motivate their Roman legionaries from, uh, from you know, retreating during a battle, they would kill every 10th legionary, yes. right? And that, that's where the word decimation comes from, from decimate, which means 10. And, 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 and I feel like that would have been, yes, a cricket team has 11 players in it. And if you kill one of you know, every tenth, then it's it's a bit you know you cut them down to ten, and the next time you're stuck. But uh, I feel like you're yeah, right. It sharpens the senses. It more if it was good enough for the Romans, it is good enough for every sport. And one out of every ten jockeys being shot, you know, at the end of the race, I think is a very very good way of motivating the other jockeys to to um, whip themselves a little bit more. Except that that's what already happens every time there's a <laughs> Melbourne Cup. Ten percent of the horses die, and yes. yet they still keep coming back. <laughs> Look at how motivated the horses. Are. It's working on them. They're running their asses off. <laughs> Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Today's episode of The Chaser Report is brought to you by Hand Me Down Furniture. Retro is in! But, you know, only fun, expensive 70s pieces, not a broken mid-2003 chest of drawers. Sorted out. Today in Sydney, people are doing something that they haven't done for a very long time. It's a strange, old-fashioned thing. People are watching movies at the Sydney Film Festival, and among them is Xander, who signed up to an insane program of watching movies. Hello, Xander. Hello. I like to think of it a bit more than just watching movies, right? We had the Melbourne Cup yesterday, and we had the Grand Finals a month ago, but for me, the Sydney Film Festival, the premier sporting Mm. event of the year. Right, so you, you go and watch movies not for the pleasure of watching the beautiful art, but just to score points and rack up another movie that you've seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So think like the city to surf Mm. style marathon. Right. Xander, you're the man who listens to the podcast in four times speed. Yes. Are you sitting in the cinema (laughs) watching a movie, but also watching something on your phone and your iPad at the same time? No, because that's sacrilegious. You know, oh, so our podcast can be consumed (laughs) in that. Right, okay. Well, it's it's all about artistic intent, right? Like... Mm. You know, <laughs> but the point being is, is the goal this year is to see 36 different films mm. over 11 days. That's a lot of films. I, I can't help just suspecting that you're going to be at the centre of some sort of COVID super spreader, you know, <laughs> sort of event. The Xander like, variant. Like, yeah, if you, if you have, if you pick up COVID at any point, you're going to spread it to so many people. And they're all old at the Sydney Film Festival. They're all 90-year-olds. Yeah, I mean, probably be responsible for mass death. Yeah, but then think of the story that then creates more opportunities for films in the future. That's documentary worthy. So this recording is evidence exactly, and it shows that he was forewarned and indifferent. To this risk. So how on earth do you see 36 movies in 11 days? Well, I've got a spreadsheet. That's that's the place to start. Because, because oh, that's it, fun. <laughs> it all started months ago yeah. where I thought it was in the middle of lockdown and I had a whole lot of money from the government, right? And I was like, what am I going to spend this on? You know, I hadn't decided to move out of home yet. So I was still at home. I had a whole superfluous amount of money and I saw the Sydney Film Festival was coming up in August. And so you thought, let's give the money back to the New South Wales government. Yeah, let's the give the Festival. money back to the New South Wales government, right? Right. And so I essentially went and bought six youth passes, which meant I got like 30 tickets, right? Which is less than the amount of films I'm seeing now. And then essentially I thought this is going to be great. (laughs) This is going to be funny. I'll see 30 films. It's going to be a great adventure and it'll be fun. And then obviously lockdown happens and then the Sydney Film Festival gets pushed back to November. Mm. And so it comes to a few weeks ago and I'm like, oh shit, I have to work out the 30 different films I'm Mm. seeing. Otherwise... I'm wasting money. Yes. It's like $380, right? Yes. You can't just piss this away. No. Um, and then it gets to 9 a.m. one morning, right? Mm. And that's when they haven't released the films yet. So the morning I can buy tickets is the morning I'm first seeing the films that I'm going to watch. So you bought the 30 tickets before you even knew what was on? Yes. What if there's like an Adam Sandler retrospective? <laughs> That would be incredible. <laughs> what about Eddie Murphy's la- later works? <laughs> 
But that was the roll of the dice, right? I didn't know what I was mm. going to get. Mm. And so I wake up in the morning, I get on the website, and then I have to create this spreadsheet because at the end of the day, you can't be in two places at the one time, you know? That's yeah, true. Oh, right. Yes, of course. You got, and there's also there's the distance between yeah. the different cinemas. I mean, I've, I've been to a lot of film festival things, and there's often the hustle. You've got to run from... The, the state theatre down to event cinemas or whatever it is it, it, it's quite a kind of steeplechase. See, exactly. He, here I was thinking that the Sydney Film Festival and your segment about the Sydney Film Festival would be about films. No, but no it's about logistics. Mm. It's about spreadsheets. It's about getting to and from the films. I mean, yeah. I got to say, Xander, in terms of your personal growth, this is a, this is good. It's yeah. good organisation. I've never been this organised in my life. And I'm not joking. I was less organised during my HSC. And this is scheduled down to the minute, right? Like tonight, I have two films back to back because unfortunately the freaks of the Sydney art world bought tickets to the opening night and they were gone straight away. There was just no tickets to the opening night left and I only got to it about half an hour after it opened. So I'm seeing two films back to back. However, they're on different sides of the city. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm right. spo- at six o'clock... I'm supposed to be at the Hayden Orpheum and then at, at like 8.15, I'm supposed to be at event cinemas on Sandy, George Street. you don't know Sydney very well, do you? No, it's just, just it's, not, it's not just across the city. It's like literally Peak the suburbs out. away. Yes. <laughs> yeah. They, they, that's just not going to happen. Like, this is going to be a story of Xander got <laughs> killed <laughs> in a traffic accident on his way to. No, to it's going to gonna happen. Film. Because remember, they've got ads, they've got all the lengthy oh, the, pre roll. Do they have ads? No, don't, no they, don't they don't have ads. They don't have ads. No, but they still have pre roll. No, know. they don't. It's they a don't. film festival. No. Yes. What they do have, what's going to save your ass, Sander, is that a lot of these movies have incredibly long and sometimes tedious Q&As mm. with the filmmakers before. Yes. yes. Or they just get everyone up to do a little speech and whatever, and that, that, that'll buy you 10 minutes. Yes. So, um, big <laughs> first night. Big first night. So what are you seeing? Like, or, or do you not know the names? I just, can, no, I've just got, known as why film. don't we talk about the films in this segment? Right, we, should, we should focus on the films Film now. one and film two. All right. Tonight we've got The Eyes of Tammy Faye and King Richard. So one of them is about um, the Williams sisters' father and the other one is about US televangelists. Oh, Tammy Faye Baker. They both sound quite interesting. Oh, that will be interesting. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then tomorrow night I have The Justice of Bunny King, which is a New Zealand film. Um, and then Tatane, which is this massive French horror movie that's very popular at, at the moment. And then also a Polish film tomorrow morning called Apples. How, how good do you Polish? Oh, it's, it's okay. Do they have subtitles? No, you've got to, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they do, yeah. <laughs> and how ma- what proportion of the 36% uh, are nudie pics? Oh, what? only two. Because that's the whole thing. They don't actually have to rate them because it's a festival. Yeah, they're all R. They're, so they can have anything. They, they get around the classification laws. Yeah, so there's only two nerdy ones. One's called Pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> Is that because they sold out too fast for you to book? Because we all know why the film festival is popular. <laughs> well, this is okay. Pleasure, pleasure is a introspective look at the US porn industry. A young oh, woman strives no. for success in agency in LA's lucrative and ruthless porn industry in Swedish director. Uh, Ninja's Thyberg's bold and meticulously observed debut. I mean, well done for challenging the Swedish film stereotypes <laughs> there, sir. <laughs> I'm sure you'll uh, you'll meticulously observe that one. Well, there's well, you've you've got to get some interesting choices once you're yeah. 30 films in. And you yeah. see, I kept adding movies because like everyone kept recommending more. Sydney Morning Herald would publish an article, so the list keeps getting longer, 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 right? And so I, I had to, I set a rule for myself. I had to see every film in competition. So, so Xander, do you get a prize for this? Because I assume you'll be the sort of, you'll be 
the person who sees the most films I think at this there, festival. Is there a prize that they give to the person who sees the most? I remember there being like a challenge in the past. Mm. Well, I'm not too sure, and if there's not one, there definitely will be. Yeah, you know. Right. And, but you presumably are you getting to go to the closing night gala? Have you been invited to the closing night? No, I should be, shouldn't you, I? Yes, and you, you got all these tickets. You, you paid go for the these clo- tickets. You yes. don't understand working in media, yeah. Zanny. I have didn't get to press passes. You got to, yeah. You have to get yourself into the closing night gala because I'm seeing that many movies. Right? There's there's some days that I'm going from watching a documentary about Sesame Street straight into a French rom com. Yeah. So Zanny, this is your challenge: is to get into the gla- the closing night gala without yeah. getting official sanction from the film festival. Because I've only ever been to the Sydney Film Festival once, and it was to see the final film of the festival, and then we all went to the closing night gala. So, um, so it's after the final film. It yeah, is. it's a big yes. piss up. I went to one with um, Jerome Clement from Friday the Concords once. It was very good. Yeah, I went to one with uh, Richard Roxburgh and Miranda Otto. This we incredible. were literally on the bus together. They were chatting on the bus on the way. All right, that's the goal. Yeah. 36 films and a gala. Yeah, and a gala. Today's episode of The Chaser Report is brought to you by Hand Me Down Furniture. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. Before we go, I just want to relate a bit of a disaster that is going to befall both Dom and me. What? Hair loss. <laughs> no, that's already, already happened. Wow. Yeah. Horses bothered on that. No, no. Um, earlier today, well, I was just sort of at my house, and Don was hanging around one of our neighbours' houses, and it looked mm. very suspicious. He actually looked like he was under arrest. Right? Mm. I was going, "What is going on?" There was a police officer. Because there was a police officer standing, and Don was, you know, his usual glum face. So, <laughs> so it looked like he'd got into trouble. If you want to see that glum face, by the way, just Google Dominic Knight arrest and you'll see a picture of me looking incredibly glum as I am arrested from many years ago with yeah. the chaser. So it was a bit like that. And actually it turns out there is a house that's for rent just up the street from us. Mm. And Charles and I don't live together. We live very near each other. Yeah. Just and to be clear. <laughs> and Dom, I think it was just having a sticky beak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, but this police officer is really keen on getting the house. And he's I think the only he, applicant yeah, too. He, he's going to move in, right? And so I pass and go, oh, you know, no illegal activities here. Just thinking about all the jokes we have. And it's going to be a disaster. We're going to have a policeman in our complex. Like, you know, we've got this sort of apartment complex. We're going to be living next to the fuzz. You're looking at this all wrong. Because it's not just a cop, it's a neighbour. There's there's two ways this could go. You're charming. You're a charming man, Charles. All you have to do is charm a little extra. Just charm the cop. Right. And then you can start getting away with stuff. He can give us access to all the drugs that he gets. Yep, 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 yep. Which will be much higher quality. Yeah. If it was King's Cross in the 90s, yes. he would become your new dealer. Yeah. And also, presumably, you know, if, if other neighbours get a bit annoying, he can legally work out a way to knock them off and stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is, I like the thinking. So how do we work out whether he's a bent cop or not? Well, I, mean, I think the best way to approach this would be not to talk about it in on the podcast in case <laughs> he hears, the, hears this and gets upset. Or you could just, you know, take a cake around. Um, yeah. And I feel like you can yeah. tell a lot about a person by the way they receive a cake, you know. Or some brownies, some sp- Special brownies. That oh yeah. yeah. Or, or give him give him something in a brown paper bag and see how familiar he feels <laughs> with it in his hand. It. Oh, it's oh. just some some muffins we baked. I like officer. it. Cheeky. Yeah. Claire. Okay. So we can keep going with our murdering and stuff like that. Yeah. And 
And as long as it's not during his work times, it'll be fine. It'll be it'll be a test of your charisma. I mean, before you mm. know it, your house will become the evidence stash, I reckon. Yes. We can be the storeroom. There yes, you go. I love it. Okay. That's how you do it. You gotta view it as a win, Charles, because this is now tenant in evidence. Our <laughs> uh, gears from Road Microphones are part of the ACAST Creator Network. Catch you tomorrow. See ya. Unless Charles gets arrested first. Wee woo wee woo. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.